Hello and welcome to episode number 62 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli alongside my co-host Brennan Capazello, Honest Flu Game, and Justin Ray. Today we have week 16 of the NFL season and more to cover. I want to start off by just a very random fun fact. I was reading up on Geno Smith and sometimes when we're big football fans, there are those few players in the past that they ring a bell, but you don't exactly remember too well how their NFL career panned out. And one of those guys for me was one of Geno Smith's former West Virginia teammates. Not Tavon Austin, but Stedman Bailey. That was a name to me that just, I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember him exactly. He got drafted by the Rams, played there for four seasons. I was like, damn, he was so sick in then. I'm like, how does, I don't even remember where his NFL career ended, but I want to start off the show on that very random notes but how are y'all doing today i'm feeling good feeling good coming off of the christmas uh holiday a little bit merry christmas to our listeners and uh right now i'm I'm nervous as hell because i'm watching the colts chargers game and my fantasy football team's life is on the line so a lot of nerves going into this one (laughs) uh well like john alluded to i'm feeling a little under the weather but i'm here to to take it to you guys because a lot happened over this weekend. A lot of good things from Aaron, actually. I had a, besides being sick and being alone for the entire, God damn, Derwin James just lit that dude up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Holy Jeez. crap. Um, But besides being alone for the whole day, football day was pretty damn good. Got to see the Dolphins lose four straight. Happy days, happy days. Got to see my boy Baker, Baker, oh, touchdown maker. And to cap it all off, the GOAT, Tom Brady, doing it again. The GOAT did find a way. Just a barely edged out Trace McSorley. It was close. And for all of our listeners out there that are here for episode number 61, we do locks of the week. And it turned out the one person who didn't feel too confident in the locks, didn't like everybody else's, was the one person's lock that did not actually go through. That was B-Caps. He had the Lions or the Panthers. And as Dan Campbell put it, that was an absolute <laughs> kicking. And meanwhile, the Cardinals covered. The Jaguars easily covered versus the Jets. And, and the Bengals. Bengals? Yep. Close one. Shout out to Ramondre Stevenson. He had a good game. Starting off today... Man, I nearly threw up yesterday watching the Rams trounce the Rams. Sorry, I, uh, I almost threw up yesterday on Christmas Day while I was enjoying my day eating good food as the Rams absolutely trounced the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson at this point is a broken quarterback, and I watched two of his three interceptions and I just said to myself, this is not Nathaniel Hackett. This is very clearly a broken Hall of Famer that may not be fixable. But, but while the Broncos were getting trounced, a couple of fo- uh, a couple of fights broke out, one of which between Brett Rippey and the backup quarterback and the Broncos starting to your offensive lineman. And um, there's also punches thrown out to the game between Randy Gregory, which turned out to be a suspension of Marine currently. And this morning we found out Nathaniel Hackett has been fired after the Broncos' 4-11 and 11 starts. Hackett was a pretty good offensive coordinator, and the Packers missed him this season. It seems like for you guys, looking at this current Broncos team and 
the last week after how good it looked versus the Chiefs. Where do you stand on Denver? Is there a way they can be fixed? And for the time being, was Nathaniel Hackett wrongfully fired? Or after this game, was it something that had to be done? I'll take this one, B. Uh, I think it was something that had to be done. When you go into the season, I remember in the beginning of the season, all three of us had at least some decently high expectations for the Broncos, at least getting to the postseason or post, uh, you know, a, come close to, to getting inside the playoff picture. I don't think any of us could have foreseen a 4-11 and start and, and Russell Wilson looking like this. This is nowhere near the Russell we've seen from his entire career. This is a massive regression. And I'd like to say, no, he's not broken, but it's hard to think that he's not. Uh, to see, a, 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 at least going into the season, we could have all booked him for a trip to Canton, Ohio one day. How, and how bad does this season actually lower that expectation? I'd say going into it, it was probably like a 70-30 or 80-20 chance. And now what? Like after this year, if it continues to go downhill from here, it's what, 50-50 maybe? Um, it, it, it's been a rough go of it for the Broncos. Then again, some some tough injuries in the beginning of the season. I, I don't think uh, it could have gone any worse. I think the the firing was was justified for an 11 start for a, a team with huge expectations who thought they were a quarterback away and to just get absolutely embarrassed on Christmas day against a Rams team. That's well out of it. That is starting a quarterback that wasn't even on their team three, four weeks ago. And that's the showing you put the Broncos are, are put uh, more of a fight against each other than they did against the Rams. That, that's something that they should be totally embarrassed about. I think uh, the firing is justified. And maybe a guy like Sean Payton, if he's interested in rebuilding a franchise somewhere. Uh, remember, Saints had interest in Russell Wilson before when he was there. So uh, maybe maybe this will be a match made in heaven. If there's a coach that can resalvage a career, it'll be, that, it'll be Payton. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, Hackett, I know that I was the one on this show that coined the name Nathaniel Can't Hackett. And while it's a clever name, uh, if I do say so myself, I do, I can't help but feel bad for just the guy, you know, the man, Nathaniel Hackett. Cause, uh, I mean, he didn't ask for any of this. Like, let's be honest. He, he, he was, he was picked because they thought they were getting Aaron Rodgers. And when that didn't happen, uh, they were kind of stuck and they went all in on Russell Wilson. Uh, and the team just was not a quarterback away. They weren't ready. Um, and really Hackett didn't use uh, Wilson the right way. Uh, and like John said, Russell has taken a step back. So it just, from every level, it didn't work out on the offensive end. Now on the defensive end, it's top five defense. Uh, top three, actually, I think. Uh, I think they're ranked by pro football focus. What? Well, yeah, it was. Uh uh, coming into this game and pro football focus ranked their secondary the best in the league even over the eagles um but yeah i mean it, it was it was inevitable i mean you're not going to keep hackett around uh for another year because you kind of know what's going to happen uh it's not going to get better it's only going to get worse he's just not a head coach uh material he's he's a he's an offensive coordinator actually i don't even think he was an offensive coordinator john i think he was the quarterbacks coach in green bay i believe that was luke getsy who's now the bears offensive coordinator hackett was the oc okay um but yeah so 
Yeah, it was just inevitable for Hackett. He was he was this this season just hasn't it, nothing has clicked on the offensive end. And when you're picked up as a, an offensive guy, and the offense is inept, well, you know this is this is the outcome that happens. So, as for what Justin said about Sean Payton, I tweeted. I said, if I'm Sean Payton, I'm staying the hell away from Denver. Uh, it's a dumpster fire. Uh, I, I don't want to be responsible for trying to rebuild Russell Wilson's confidence. Uh, so, yeah, I stay the hell away from that. Uh, I look at the other teams that are just better off, uh, like the Chargers or uh, – I'm blanking on, other, on the other team uh, that we've talked about before with Sean Payton. The Chargers? Yeah. Yeah, I said the Chargers. There's another team that I'm Rams, Cowboys, oh, Cowboys, 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 yes. And Rams. the Cardinals. Come on, come on, what? Rams. Sean Payton. I mean, Sean McVay. If Sean McVay retires, which is possible. Oh, yeah, okay. Guess Cardinals, too. Yeah, I'd stay the hell away from that, too, because that's just, it's no. I really want to focus in, though, on Denver primarily. Sean Payton is not going to Denver, they have new ownership. And that's the only reason he would consider it. If they pay so much money, it's too much for him to just pass up. Nathaniel Hackett got fired, not because the Broncos were just getting trounced, but because the locker room was lost. When your players are turning on each other and there is divide between different layers on each side of the football, the offensive line, the quarterbacks do not mesh. The team does not like the quarterback and the defense has done such a great job this season Yesterday, the two turnovers in the first quarter by Russ, that was what broke their back. They've had an amazing side, an amazing unit on that side of the ball for years now. The issue has been, you go in and get Russell Wilson, and the offense has gotten worse. It was better last year with Teddy Bridgewater. And it's kind of funny to me. George Patton, the Broncos' new general manager, who got the job in 2021, has made a lot of very questionable moves, in my opinion. His first draft pick was Patrick Sertain, an amazing corner who is arguably the best in the position this season. And he passed up Justin Fields to get him, a quarterback. And now that, de that decision isn't exactly bad, though cornerback is inherently less valuable than quarter. What compounded that was the fact he traded multiple first-round draft picks, multiple seconds, an interior D lineman, and a tight end. To then have the right to overpay Russell Wilson $245 million. The reason we could have saw this coming with Russell Wilson is his entire career in Seattle, he had a great head coach and a really good system. That was what allowed him to come in right away. And while he was really good as a rookie, he had that level of structure. Most quarterbacks do not get that. There is no point in Russell Wilson's career where he had a rookie head coach. There is no point in Russell Wilson's career where he had to learn a completely new offense that wasn't going to be catered to his exact strengths. One of the weaknesses we talked about with Russell Wilson was the fact he can't see in the middle of the field too well. And yesterday, you would have thought him and Bobby Wagner are still teammates with that pass he threw to Murray in the middle. I said to myself, what are you looking at, my friends? I've never played quarterback before, and that read to me is elementary. This third one, the cherry on top, he's got Cam Sutton open over the middle, right in front of his line of vision. And he says, you know what, let me toss a ball into the end zone, it's double coverage, and surely that was a pick. Russell Wilson has become almost a disgrace to this locker room. 
because he hasn't led, he hasn't connected with the players, and he's been abysmal. So when you're getting paid that much money and you say all the right things in the press conferences, it's like, look, man, you are the issue here. You haven't adopted, and we've seen Seattle mask a lot of his, let's say, lack of versatility. He wanted to play his way, and they're able to cater to that. And now in Denver, because he hasn't had everything built around him perfectly, you lose your left tackle. One of your top receivers and one of your top running backs go down. All of a sudden, Russell Wilson is being exposed. With Nathaniel Hackett, I agree with you, Brandon. These head coaches have really tough jobs. And particularly for an assistant like him, he's going to get a job in Green Bay or whatever. But to have to move your family back and forth with all the humiliation that comes with being dubbed one of the worst head coaches of all time, that's a lot from the human being complex. So I, of course, feel for Hackett. I wish him the best. But he wasn't over his head with this job, too. He was expected to come in and be able to coach a guy who he's very familiar with in Aaron Rodgers. The two clicked. And that personality Hackett had was really what made him such a compelling character to have, to have lead this locker room. When you don't get him and you bring in an enigmatic character, an enigmatic leader in Russell Wilson, it, it becomes dicey. Because these two have not worked together before. And quite frankly, Hackett did not prove himself. And so this season, for me, it, it's been a disaster, and I think it, it all falls on the general manager that a lot of Bronco fans have talked highly of, one of my buddies from the Pick Aside podcast, Drew, saying he's done a great job. George Patton's done an awful job. Terrible job. Awful. You take a corner over a quarterback. You then pay Russell Wilson out the wazoo. You sacrifice a ton of draft capital for one of the worst contracts in the NFL, and then to put the cherry on top in the process, you didn't hire the right head coach. You know, it's funny to me. I believe hiring the offensive mind is always the right way to go because if you hit on that offensive play caller as a head, let's say Mike McDaniel, he's a great example. You're not going to lose that guy who works with your quarterback. But it doesn't matter if you hire a great offensive mind if the guy is not ready to be a head coach in the league. The Broncos are one of those few teams that go with the offensive guy and it doesn't work out whatsoever. So, I mean, I think a lot of the blame goes in the organization to believing they were ready to win when they never were. And so this, to me, should not be a surprise. It's like, well, you walked into a ditch, say, oh, I fell. This is what you should have expected all along. The injuries have only made that so much worse. You know what? I, I, I'm going to – I got to correct you, I feel like, on one point. is I don't want to knock George Patton. Sure, you want to criticize uh, the head coaching hire? That's fine. You could criticize the, the move for Russell Wilson. That's fine. But that's about it. Because I, I do actually believe that this Broncos team was capable of a lot more if you just gotten those two picks correctly. I'm not going to judge him based on the certain draft pick or, or not draft, drafting Justin Fields, because even with Justin Fields, doesn't necessarily make this team ready for anything, you know, because he would still have to develop. I, I'm a big believer in just because the quarterback is supremely talented doesn't mean that he's going to succeed in every single spot. And Case in point is Russell Wilson. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, every quarterback story would be different. Uh, I got to use a Tom Brady comparison where if he's not in New England, if he's not drafted by New England, he doesn't turn into Tom Brady. You know, there's so I can't say that, oh, if Justin Fields goes here, he's automatically the savior. No, because now you're you still have a hole in your cornerback spot. Uh, your defense, defense wins championships. If they would have had a better head coach, if a better system for Russell Wilson, who's to say we're not looking at this Broncos team a little differently. Now, if you go up and down their schedule, you'll see games, so many one possession losses, you know, they're in there because of the defense. They're in there because of guys like Patrick Sertain. And I feel like they're losing 
not just solely on the back of Russell Wilson, but also injuries, uh, O-line, inconsistent, in, inconsistent play from the O-line. So that's a, a failure, not just from the, the front office, but even the locker room. That's a failure on the players' parts too. Like they have to step up. That chemistry isn't made by the coaches. That chemistry is supposed to be formed from your players, formed by teammates. And the fact that your quarterbacks are going at it with your O-linemen, that's, that, that is probably the worst possible scenario that you want. Zach Wilson is out here gifting O-linemen. I, I, and, the, and the Broncos quarterbacks are fighting with their O-linemen? Come on. Those are the guys that protect you. And while, albeit, they haven't done such a great job of it, uh, you're not supposed to be fighting with them on the sideline. That just set, looks like a broken locker room. And I understand the point where you guys say you feel bad for Nathaniel Hackett. I do too, because you never want, you never want to see anybody lose their job. And, and you know, the way the NFL seems to work, he, he'll bounce back just fine. He'll find a different place. He'll find a place probably way more comfortable with a lot less scrutiny than he'll get as a head coach. So I think the Broncos are still there. I think they have a very good potential roster and it's just, it's just a matter of quarterback. It's a matter of head coach. You got to find the right fit. And I think Russell Wilson can be the right fit. But now you have to find a coach that will fit him. And I think, like I said, while well, you said Sean Payton should probably stay far away from Denver. I say, why? Why would he stay far away from that place? Denver is a great place to go and coach. Great place to win if you can. And I don't know. I think you go into a spot and you just rebuild Russell Wilson while it may be easier said than done. Like I said, I don't think there's no better coach to, to coach Russell Wilson than, than Sean Payton. I think they'll be back if they make a move like that. Or Harbaugh. Come on. Like, you got to pay pay the money. Can't keep flip-flopping with head coaches, man. Too many already. Well, who, who has it been? It's been Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, right? And, uh, yeah. and now Nathaniel Hackett. And, you know, Justin, I think you had a great point there. I'm going to list you guys some assistants around the NFL, offensive minds particularly, okay? I believe more going on the offensive route. And I want to hear if you guys think this could be a good option for the Broncos. Or not that a good option, but this would actually solve the Russell Wilson problem because this year it hasn't been an accuracy, it's been process. The decision-making, the inability to read the field, and then the carelessness with the football, all those things have reared its ugly head. The first name up, Sean Payton. Would he be able to fix Russell Wilson? Yes. I'm inclined to say yes because I trust Sean Payton. I just, I wouldn't take the risk. There's no doubt for me. Sean Payton would go with the Chargers and probably torture Bronco fans for a while, Justin Herbert. But yes, I think Sean Payton is the one guy you can confidently say would at least properly support Russ. Next name up. Ben Johnson, first-year Lions offensive coordinator, creative young mind. That's done a phenomenal job working for Dan Campbell. That's so soon. I, I, that's hard for me to even say. Yeah, the comparing—that's like comparing apples to oranges. It's just—it's not the same. Sean Payton is a, is a season Super Bowl champion, and then a first-year OC, just as a matchup. So I'm gonna say no. Yeah, I agree with Justin. Too I soon. like Johnson a lot too. Listen, he's great. He's, doing, he's done a phenomenal job in Detroit, and I sure hope it continues. But first year, OC, come on. To say he's going to transform an entire franchise now is is a bit extreme, don't you think? Yeah, but we're seeing Mike McDaniel, who's young. He was the run game coordinator in San Francisco, and 
for the most Fair. part this year, he's done a, a very good job in Miami. Yeah, but San Francisco is also a team that we look at as a Super Bowl contender. We're looking at Detroit as a fringe playoff team. Mm -hmm. Because of their offense, which Ben mm -hmm. Johns is be one of the most dynamic in his first year calling the shots. I'd argue that their improvement is solely based on the offense has been good all year, but I feel like their defense improving throughout this winning stretch is the main reason they are where they are. Mm. Okay. Next team up, Luke Getze. Bears first-year offensive coordinator from Green Bay. He's maximized Justin Fields all year long. He's quickly rosen up the radars of potential future coaches. Big cap? No. I think when you have a guy like Russell Wilson, uh, you kind of need to make a splash name. And these names that you're uh, bringing to me right now, besides Sean Payton, are just not doing it for me. Think about the names that they've interviewed going into the season. A Kellen Moore, an Eric Bieniemy. I mean, even – I don't know if they interviewed him, but even a Dan Quinn, for instance. I think he's a candidate to, to replace uh, Hackett in Denver, if I'm not mistaken that I read that correctly. But you want somebody that's already proven. Like, I'm not going to say that if Eric Bieniemy goes into to Denver, he's going to turn Russell Wilson into Patrick Mahomes. No, not at all. But, I mean, look at what Brian Dable is doing with the Giants and what he did with Buffalo. Get somebody that, that's coming from a proven offense. I, I'm not – you already know I'm not the biggest fan of Kellen Moore, but I'd rather see him getting a head coaching opportunity somewhere than any of the guys that you're, you're listing. Fair enough. I've got two more names. Actually, three. One's a defensive-minded guy. Next one is Frank Reich, somebody that's won a Super Bowl as no C. Had some years in Indianapolis. What do you think? Do you think he could fix Russ? Uh, I like Frank Reich. It's just the... De no, I don't think so because I just think that Denver... Like I said, I think this year exposed a lot about Denver and how it's not really the 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 team or the destination we thought it was before the season so no i don't think so is that because of russ the injuries it's, plus it's russ how it's how the the season has played out how the offense has played out like i said i'm not gonna sit here and blame russell solely because i think we can all agree uh, the offensive line has not played well the injuries the running game, the receivers, uh, every the coaching, everything hasn't really been their offensive end. But yeah, it's just how the season has played out. It's just this this team is not the destination that we thought it was before the season. I I could go for Frank Reich. I think uh, you know outside of this year, I, I don't think he was poor in, in Indianapolis at all. I mean, look at what he did with the team with, with Philip Rivers and, and getting to the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Should have been in the playoffs. Carson Wentz let that team down. Um, I think he'd be a good – I think he's a very good coach. I'm not going to say he's going to turn this the franchise around. I'm looking for a real game changer, though. Now, Brandon has hinted at Frank Reich to New England. Maybe that would be a nice – a better marriage as an OC, but um, we'll see about that. But surely be an upgrade over what you currently have. Oh, yeah. Nico Rines, the current 49ers defensive coordinator, right? Fast riser after his days in Houston and Philadelphia has won the best in the game at the linebacker spot. I'll say yeah. I'll say yeah, but I feel like uh, Russ probably needs more of a 
an offensive guy to, to just get him back to where he needs to be. But D'Amico Ryans is definitely a great candidate for a head coaching spot somewhere. Look what he's doing with that defense. Uh, for D'Amico, I think he should be, but again, I just, I, I'm, I'm so skeptical on this Denver team, man. Cause it's just, you go there and you ruin your future for like, I mean, look how long it took. <laughs> what a shock to Josh McDaniels. And it was with the Denver Broncos too. Look how long it took it to him before he got another shot. And that like, you go here, you fail. It's going to be a very long time before anybody's going to call your phone again. And I just hate, would hate to see that. I think D'Amico Ryans can be a good head coach in this league. I, I just, I'm not taking my chances with Denver. Sorry, I'm just not taking it at all. Uh, in terms of what Justin said, it, they might be looking for an offensive guy. I mean, you can get a defensive coordinator, and as long as you're defensive, uh, not sorry, defense, you can get a defensive-minded guy as your head coach as long as that guy understands, okay, let me go get an offensive genius, put him as my OC, and basically say, you run the offense, and I'll handle everything else. Kate. That's how, yeah. It's McDermott and Buffalo, Belichick with McDaniels, New England, and there's a couple others too. Yeah. If you don't get the offensive mind, kind of like Robert Sala in New York, you feel to develop that young quarterback. Or if you get that table and he ends up leaving it to find a new replacement, and so it is tough. I love what you said, Brandon. That is so true. For D'Amico Ryan's an African-American candidate, you're oftentimes not going to get that second opportunity. It's It's not fair at all. But that can tarnish your reputation if it doesn't go so well. So I totally agree with you there. If I were D'Amico, if anything, I would wait an extra year in San Francisco before I go to a place in Denver that has shown we'll fire you through a first season if it doesn't go so well. And honestly, I think there's much better alternatives out there given this last year we had, what, 10 new head coaches surface? So that cycle is going to churn, and I think Denver would be at the bottom of those top lists, so to speak. The last guy would be Jim Harbaugh, the current Michigan head coach. We've been doing this for many years now, but in theory, Jim Harbaugh, who did wonders with Alex Smith in San Francisco, would he be able to turn around this Broncos offense? Brad, I know you're a little bit higher on him. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I love the Harbaugh's. Um, I, d I don't think he should have ever lost his job. That was because the front office and him got, you know, a little wedge between them, and they got him out of there. Uh Again, it's like Sean Payton. I just stay the hell away, man. It's just not worth it. Uh, you know, call the Chargers, call uh, Dallas, call these other teams that are so much more promising and you can look at and have a, a good future with. The Denver team is just not at all. I mean, how much cap space do you even have with that Russell Wilson contract? Huh? And is he going to take a pay cut? Are you going to really have that conversation with Russell Wilson and ask him to take a pay cut? I mean, he should be able to. His wife is freaking Sierra, for God's sakes. But, uh, yeah, again, no. I'm, uh, if I'm uh, Harbaugh, if I'm Sean Payton, two guys that are proven in this league, Super Bowl champ. Well, no, yeah, Harbaugh didn't win a championship. He got to a ch uh, championship. Uh, but he went to, what was it, three straight NFC championship games and a Super Bowl. Yeah, if I'm those two guys, you stay the hell away from there and you go to a team that has, you know, something more – likable and friendly and good 
And, I'm I'm for the Harbaugh move. It's just it, is the Broncos front office willing to give up so much control because to get a guy like that to pull him from Michigan, you're gonna have to give that guy a lot of say. He's not gonna be a puppet. It's gonna be his organization. Um, and Michigan, if I'm not mistaken, is number one in recruiting right now. So I can't really see him leaving. Yeah, I do. I do know some of the fans are upset with them at last year after they started off very slow and lost to Michigan State. But for Denver, I think they're stuck in this position. Justin, I like what you said about George Patton as well. He's drafted considerably vast, uh, but currently I think this is a team stuck in purgatory. Speaking of enjoyable football guys, we got to see a Cowboys versus Eagles showdown, and let me tell you, this game. Is starting to change some people's tunes on the Dallas Cowboys. But for others, they're saying, you barely beat us to our backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Which one of you two wants to start off first? Did this game stamp the idea the Cowboys can beat the Eagles no matter where the place may be? And more notably, does this make you more comfortable in them after these last couple of tough weeks against the Texans and Jaguars? Uh, I'll take this one because I know Brandon was uh, super hype about that game. So I'll, I'll just be short and sweet with it. I'm going to sing the same tune that you just said, John. Gardner Minshew, Minshew went into Dallas and almost stole a game from the Cowboys there. You know, I believe they had a two-score lead at one point. It was throwing the hell out of the football. Devontae Smith put on a receiving clinic. And I got to say, them going in there and losing – by the score that they did, I feel like it just says more about how good this Eagles team is because Jalen Hurts, their MVP, wasn't on the field, and they're still doing that. So, yeah, I'd like to believe that if Jalen Hurts is on that field, they win the game. I'm not going to say handedly, but I'm saying they win that game. I have enough respect for the Cowboys. But that game showed something that's very uh, glaring in this on this Cowboys team. And as good as that defense was in the beginning of the season, this is back-to-back -back weeks now. You gave up 40 points to the Jaguars and 34 against Gardner Minshew in that pass game. Teams are looking like they can score on you now. You know, as good as Micah Parsons is and as good as that defense was in the first half, like I said, they're proving to be very vulnerable. And when you're going up against a team as, you know, gadgety as the 49ers or, well, yeah, they, they beat the daylights out of Minnesota, you know, Round two may be a whole lot different if you're going up against this team. So I think the Cowboys have a lot to worry about. It was, a, it was a big win. They absolutely needed it. And I just still feel like Philadelphia is still the team to beat there, man, because if Jalen Hurts is out there, I think Philadelphia wins that game. <clears throat> uh... By the way, great to see T.Y. Hilton. How do Big I time want to yeah. attack this? Uh, first off, the Cowboys defense, again, like Dustin said, it didn't show up. Uh, he didn't mention zero sacks, zero QB hits. Uh, not a good performance by them uh, for, I think, three straight weeks in a row. They've just not shown up. Um, Micah Parsons was gassed uh, at the end of that game. I mean, he was damn near begging for a timeout. Uh, but, listen, the Cowboys' defense in terms of turnovers, they got them. They got four turnovers that game. Uh, so, but here's the silver lining that I don't think either of you guys can really take away, and I'd love to hear John's thoughts. I know he's probably going to beat around the bush and 
find some way to disparage him. Uh, Dak Prescott, after that first interception, that was just uh, one of the most laziest throws I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he came out of that and played. Uh, I don't think you could have played any better uh, football from a quarterback position after that interception uh, from Dak Prescott. Uh, still, while getting sacked six times, he was able to post 347 yards passing, three touchdowns, and six carries for 41 yards. He had an 86.5 QBR. Uh, him and CD, they found that connection yesterday against that vaunted uh, – Eagles secondary. Now you guys brought up that Jalen Hurts wasn't there. If I'm not mistaken, Darius Slay and all those defenders were healthy. Uh, and not Dak exactly. Okay. You're missing Johnson, Gardner, Johnson, Avante, their nickel corner left the game. But yeah, you're right. Slay okay. didn't have his best day. Yeah, but again, for the most part, that defense was pretty much healthy. Uh, I mean, the Cowboys were missing Leighton Vandrash. Uh. They're missing basically everybody else besides Trayvon Diggs in the cornerback position as well. So I would say the Eagles are a more healthier team right now than the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott went out there and, and absolutely showed up uh, and showed out. So that gave me all the confidence in the world to believe that I think this Dallas Cowboys team is is here for it. Um now, again, I'm not going to blow smoke over Mike McCarthy's ass because I, I don't really – I don't believe in him when push comes to shove. Well, he is a good head coach. He's not the guy that's going to put you over the edge. But great team win by the Cowboys. C.D. Lamb showed up. Zeke had a, eh, an okay day, 16 for you – know, Tony Pollard didn't really do much on the ground. Uh, sixty-one receiving though. Yeah, sixty-one through the air. He did. He did. He did his thing. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, go ahead. I'll admit it. This was a near masterclass performance by Dak Prescott. You hit the nail on the head. He throws a pick six in the first quarter, and the Eagles find themselves up ten nothing. And I send y'all a picture, a screenshot of me betting on the Eagles, throwing a lot of money in this third-party betting app, and basically from that point on, Dak Prescott was money on third down. One of his best games. And I said to myself, this is the best version of him. There was one play in the first quarter, third and five. Avante Maddox grabs hold of him, and he's trying to wrestle Dak to the ground. Dak is able to balance himself while he's got a cornerback to try to rip at his legs. And then, while he's basically wobbling, losing control, delivers an absolute steamer to Michael Gallup for a first down. I was like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. When Dak plays like this, 27 to 35, 347 yards and three touchdowns after that pick six. This Cowboys offense is damn near unstoppable. That Eagles defense got to him all day long. And while he was taking a lot of sacks, he was doing one hell of a job extending plays. And you got to give credit where it's due. This Cowboy team feels a lot to me like last year's Rams. The reason why I disparage them is because they don't have Sean McVay. I also don't think Dak's anywhere near, or maybe anywhere is disrespectful, I don't think he's on the same level as Matthew Stafford in those last couple of years. This year, he's definitely been better. All that being said, the only reason they won this game was because Jalen Hurts did not play. I love Gardner Minshew. 
but we're talking about four turnovers for an Eagles team this year that has been the high-scoring offense because they've limited all the turnovers. Jalen Hurts' dual threat ability and his ability to limit turnovers is what allows the Eagles to win each and every single week. They don't make mistakes, and then their defense makes you pay when you make that costly error. For the Cowboys, you got to give them credit. To force four turnovers against Neef on offense this damn good, even if Hurts was not playing, is a testament to their ability to generate splash plays. And when I look at this Eagles offense, even with Minshew, that's an elite group. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not necessarily going to hold it against Dallas for letting Gardner Minshew throw for what was 355. He's a pretty good quarterback, and their weapons are filthy. You hit it, Justin. Devonta Smith or Devonta Smith, he's a stud. He's a he's emerging as a borderline receiver number one. And for as much credit as we rightfully give to Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, that guy is so damn quick. He is a great athlete with great hands. He was making plays all day long. So when he paired that up with A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, I mean, the Eagles are just going to put up points. It's what they do every single week. So I'm not necessarily going to be too critical of Dallas' defense, but ultimately, you guys are right. When they're not getting those turnovers, and when Jalen Hurts is in there, they're not going to get those as many opportunities. Minshew has given them those chances. They're going to be behind the eight ball. So that's a concern moving forward. But for the time being for the Cowboys, this was a great win. And it's kind of funny to me. I've seen so many Eagle fans saying, y'all barely beat Garner Minshew, guys. And I'm an Eagle supporter. Y'all barely beat Cooper Rush. So that to me is a little bit funny. It's like, what are we doing here, fellas? Yeah. I mean, you both well, play each other yeah. with that. You're starting quarterback. I don't know why the fans are going back and forth. The Eagles, to me, are still the better team because they have the better coach. They have more depth and they're more balanced. I also think Hurts is a better quarterback than Dak. But all those things being said, all those things being said, Philadelphia can come out of this this L saying to themselves, we're still in really good shape if we can lose four starters, one of which being Lane Johnson, and are still in a game with uh, an 11-win Dallas team. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that Lane Johnson injury. That's huge, uh, an abdominal injury that I think sidelines them for the rest of the regular season and potentially even more. So uh, they need that number one seed, and they, they seem to be on their way to locking that up anyway. Uh, that bye week's going to serve huge for a team that is going to need to be healthy down the stretch. Right. Ex expect to miss a couple of weeks at the very least when the dominal tear his replacement will be Jack Driscoll, a former fourth round pick who uh, is a decent death piece, but not exactly a pro bowl right tackle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those injuries are starting to pile up for Philadelphia. So that's something to keep your eye out uh, for. Also, AJ Brown left the game for, I think it just a couple of plays, but still, mm -hmm. He's dealt with injuries over his career in uh, Tennessee, so that's something to – and while I think we're all big fans of Devontae Smith, we all can acknowledge the, the kid is like 170 pounds soaking wet with a brick in his pocket. That is small, man. If you that, – that, that's, that's small. Randy Moss was, was a stick. Randy Moss was 205 pounds, Justin. Uh, he was a stick, but he was still 205 pounds, and he was six foot four, and he had a 50 inch vertical. Uh, Devontae Smith, he's he is he's he's on the smaller side, and I'm just saying that's wearisome. Okay, mm -hmm. you take these big hits, your body's not more adept to taking those hits as as the bigger guys like an AJ Brown. The, the guy played in Alabama. I I, I don't question. I, I'm not worried. Didn't so he get hurt? Today. Didn't he tear his ACL? Yeah, but that that has nothing. Think to Think of Jalen Waddle. I think he tore something though. He still got hurt though. Like I mean, nothing I, to I'm do not with over his here. Dis 
All right, Justin, I understand you might be taking this a little personally, okay? We're all on the short side here. <laughs> I am just saying he's above – he's six feet. I think he's six one. He's not short. I'm saying size-wise, he's 170 pounds, dude. If you you just saw the hit that Derwin James landed on that guy, all right? He's not thick, Justin. He's not a thick boy, okay? He's not he's thick. Not, he's not A.J. Brown. No, and even look at A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown takes a little too much punishment sometimes, and he'll get nicked up too. It's it's something to keep your eye out for. The Eagles are starting to get uh, – the injury bug is starting to come around. You know, two major players down uh, on the offensive end. Uh, like John said, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson went down in their nickel cornerback. Uh, they did lose Robert Quinn, I believe, for the year earlier this month. It hasn't been a good uh, December for – the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of injuries. Uh, and you never know, is Lane Johnson going to come back? They expect him to. Uh, is in, And when Jalen Hurts comes back too, is that shoulder going to be right? Is he going to be missing passes like he was against, uh, like he was against Chicago? Like John said, he was careful with the football. He turned it over twice against Chicago uh, through the air, almost lost that game. So you just, you never know with this. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think it's a. I just think it's a major win, uh, for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, especially for Dak Prescott, because he really, he really showed up. There's no doubt about it, no doubt whatsoever. And uh, do I have to apologize to him? No, I'd like to see us be done in the playoffs first. But for the time being, he is slowly but surely shutting off the Kirk. See, that Cousins. just makes no sense to me, John. Like, how are you? I think he's Kirk Cousins. No, 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 no. Not, not overpaid, of... but they're paid so much it's hard to maximize. Not in terms of that. So when Jalen Hurts gets the massive contract extension, and let's say he doesn't show up in the playoffs, are you going to say the same thing? Because you already believe in Jalen Hurts now, after he's shown you nothing in the playoffs, he's actually been worse because he's only had one appearance. He's been worse in that one game than Dak Prescott was in his first playoff well, appearance. Tampa's defense was tailor-made to stop that Philly running attack okay. last year. We talk about Hurts. The reason why I'm more That means absolutely the nothing. The reason why is because the jump that he's taken from year two to three, year one to two as a starter, while considering what he does as a runner of the football, that makes him a more dynamic playmaker. And at the same time, he can win from the pocket. I don't think there's much a gap, my friend. How do you know that? I don't think there's much of a gap between Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott when it comes to throwing the football. I think they're comparable. And then when it comes to rushing, Jalen Hurts clears Hold on. Dak Prescott. How do you know that he can win from the pocket when you've only seen him do it in the regular season? You haven't seen him do it in the playoffs. How do you know that he's a more he's a better pure passer than Dak Prescott when he this is his one year of doing it? It's it's one year. So if he if he goes back and let's say he just next year he he's not what he was the year before. He's somewhere in the middle of this year and last year. The reason why is because sticking to that because it just doesn't make any sense. Like it does. This guy has have built around him and we've good. seen him get better and better each and every single season. So what I do is project it's one given his current year, development John. pattern. It's I one like freaking year. I, I, I do trajectory, feel. I think it's not crazy to say at all. He might be a better throw of the football than Dak Prescott. He might be getting to that point too. He's a pretty good passer. If we're going to compare him to Lamar, I think he's a better throw of the football than Lamar. If he's talking potential, <laughs> I mean, it's a feasible argument. But uh, I'm with I'm with Brandon. I'm with Brandon where where he says, uh, you know, one playoff start. Uh, but I, I would reserve judgment until we see what he's doing this year because this is 
This is a team with more expectation. Last year, we had no expectation for the Philadelphia Eagles. They shouldn't even have made the playoffs, and they did. And they just happened to be going up against the defending champions at the time. We knew they were going to get their asses handed to them. So, and that's exactly what happened. Now, this year, we're talking about a Philly team that's what? What's their record now? 13 and 2. 13 and 2. Okay, so 13 and 2. The expectation is so much higher. We're Now, we're not just talking about Jalen Hurts emerging. We're talking about an MVP, Jalen Hurts, that needs to deliver come postseason time. Um, still, like I said, you could you could start judging him now. I wouldn't even judge him on his first year, but even then, this is his second playoff appearance. Uh but expectations are higher. So I wouldn't be doing the comparisons too much now because Dak Prescott is still a very good quarterback in this league. I get, yeah, I get what you mean about comparing him to Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins loses primetime games consistently. Dak doesn't do that. Dak has put on shows in the playoffs at some points. We got to give some respect where he's lost games based on, I mean, I, I could consistently point out this year of uh, the pass to Jared Cook down the sideline. That's yeah. we're probably talking about a totally different playoff run and, and talking about Dak Prescott in a dis- different light if that throw isn't made. And I just have to say, it's not. It... First off, again, you're doing the thing where you're comparing Dak because you have such a much bigger sample size to critique off of. With Jalen, you're just going off the positive. You're not even acknowledging the negatives. Has what? Dak? Ever had you're gonna stop. Seasons? Stop. What? What'd you say? That has, has Dak, Dak ever, ever had, a, had a better regular season than Jalen Hurts? Yes. No, he hasn't. I, I don't know about that. This okay. Is... I mean, his best regular season, he went eight and eight and missed the playoffs. He had a losing record for his playoff teams. He was thirteen and three his first year. I'm talking about his, his best, best production. Yeah. His best. Okay, then why are you bringing up wins when you're talking about production? When it comes to your individual best season, it has not as much to do about team success, but when you consider it wasn't driving wins, I put more value in Hurts' best statistical season. So you're telling me that Drew Brees' 5,000-yard season wasn't as impressive as this one when he was going 8-8 eight and eight against Jalen Hurts' season right now? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Because that's exactly what you just said. It's different. Oh, it, now it's different. That makes no sense, John. You know I just Brees did not right have there. the support Dak did. Amari Cooper and all those receivers. The running yeah, game Jason freaking Garrett as his head coach. Are you kidding me right now? Is there any comparison between – don't do that. Is there any comparison between Sean Payton and Jason the Puppet Garrett? Come on. Come the F on. See, this is where you don't get caught in these things. Season. No, because you just get caught in these things. If you just compare them to what Dak in his rookie year was leaps and bounds above where Jalen Hurts was his rookie year. I will give Jalen Hurts the credit. He went out in the offseason this year and he worked out. um, Oh, God, I'm forgetting the guy's name. I think it's Tom or Tim House. Uh, He worked with Tom Brady and Drew Brees and them. uh, And really committed himself to learning how to throw the football at a better uh, higher level, I should say. Well, so I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I don't want to cut you off if you're going, if you've got more. Well, no, I was just saying that has shown, you know, the commitment and the leadership skills that he has and the, the want to get better. And I respect that. But I, again, for the billionth time, it is freaking, how many games is it? 
because he just missed the last game. So it's 14 games. If you're going to crown a guy over 14 games, I would love to be your employee. I love it. If all I have to do is show up for 14 games, days, or whatever, God, hire me, please. Hire me because I can just do that and then fail. You would ignore everything before that, which was failure, and you would just look at that, and I'd be like the king to you. You treat me like a god. That's not fair, Jalen Hurts, to compare when he was a project player coming out of Oklahoma. What about Dak Prescott? Not, not even, not even, not even that. Back than Dak because he's got a better situational awareness. He's got a better athletic ability. He's a much better playmaker given what he does as a runner of the football. And when it comes to throwing, I don't, I don't think it's much about of a running gap. the football because when it comes down to it, you're going to have to win, to win. by the pocket. Playmaking, man. In the pocket. But listen, you can't really compare the two from their rookie seasons at all. Dak Prescott walked into a way better situation than what Jalen Hurts did. This was a Philly team that was, you know, completely re- retooling at the moment, as opposed to a Dallas Cowboy team that was pretty much Super Bowl ready. You know, if Tony Romo was there, do we have different expectations for them? No, probably not. So, I agree totally. Yeah. So J- Jalen Hurts was like, uh, like John said, a, a real project of a quarterback when Dak Prescott was. Uh, kind of just thrusted into this situation that nobody initially expected. But I'm not knocking Dak at all for that. Dak played incredible in his rookie year and got to give credit to the best offensive line in football, a rookie Zeke Elliott with fresh legs going crazy. Des Bryant was still playing ball. Uh, They had a squad back then. So he walked into, I think, a situation that every rookie quarterback dreams of. Exactly. And if we're going to be comparing rookie seasons, I mean, hell, Baker Mayfield's better than Josh Allen. You know what I mean? He had a better rookie season. So, I mean, fundamentally, Baker Mayfield is the inherently better quarterback. I mean, he actually might be, but that's for that's a different decision for another time. Um, By the way, Asante Samuel Jr., insane read picking off Nick Foles. Um, But no, I I mean, John, I think your your memory short serves you sometimes. Um, But... I would just go back and look at some of Dak Prescott's years. Uh, he has definitely had better seasons than Jalen is right now. Uh, what I season? Put out a season to me. That's better than Jalen Hurts' 2022 campaign. I mean, statistically, last year he threw for 4,500 yards, a 69% completion percentage, 37 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Uh, you want to go maybe – 2019, 65%, 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, He had 277 on the ground with three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he's he first three years of his career, he had six rushing touchdowns as well. I know that's not what Jalen Hurts is doing now. You guys love the running. I again, I maybe that's just me. I don't really look at. I don't. When I'm when I'm really uh, comparing quarterbacks and stuff, I really just simply look at their ability to throw the football at a high level. Uh, I, I mean, if, if you can run with your, you know, if you can run with the football, that's great. That's a cherry on top. But that's not what I'm asking to, asking you to do. I don't really care about that stuff. Um, you don't care about playmaking. So Tom Brady's not a playmaker. You would not consider Tom Brady a playmaker. Peyton Manning's not a playmaker. Drew Brees is not a playmaker. Kurt Warner's Running not the football, a playmaker. That's, that's, Joe Montana's not a Running playmaker. Running the football is a part of playmaking. Dan Marino's not a playmaker. But those guys aren't playmakers is what I'm saying. Are they playmakers? 
does playmaking have anything to do with passing the football or that just – I feel like that's the definition. Uh, of making, having the, the ability to run adds, adds to uh... – I, I just said that. I, yeah, I, no, that's I'm with a cherry you. on top, but I don't really yeah. care It's not about a cherry on stuff. top. It's a yes, different it dimension is. that hasn't necessarily been fully unlocked. It is the cherry on top, John. That, that, I feel like it's that's not, exactly what you dimension. said makes it the cherry. It's not a new dimension, dude. Michael Vick was doing this back in – Steve Young in the 90s. What are you – Fran Tarkin It's not a new wrinkle. This has been happening. The quarterbacks just never have been getting it done. The running quarterbacks don't win at the end of the day. That's why I don't understand – Michael what... Vick, Cam Newton, those guys were not elite level or really good passers of the football the way Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Kyler, and all those – Josh Allen all are today. When you're great at both, that makes you one of the most unique. You realize players. that Cam Newton like had a season MVP. where he threw 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, right? Are you talking about Cam Newton? Yeah, like 59% completion percentage too. So what? Jalen Hurts had one good year. So what if he reverts back? You're again. You're not even looking at that. We have a whole sample size of these guys to look at. You're just looking at the positives of those guys. Steve Young. Steve Young, he ran. He was a running quarterback, too. What about it? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Okay. Did you say that Cam Newton and, and Michael Vick were not the elite passer? Elite passers, again, you say elite. You just throw it around. So elite. So Jalen Hurts is as a good a passer as Patrick Mahomes now? I said elite to really good. Josh Allen, elite level passer. Kyler, elite. Jalen Hurts, really good. Lamar? Pretty good. Kyler's not an elite level passer. Get out of here. He is not on the level of those of those other guys. He's Kyler's not, not no a top great. seven passer. No, not better. No, oh. no, no. Get the hell out of here. That, that's that's funny, John. That's that's your smoking. That's funny. Yeah, no, you're smoking. Guys, I, that's funny, bro. No. I don't want to become the Kyler Murray defender here, but I don't even. Why does he collapse Kyler, every <laughs> single year? Why does he collapse at the end of the year? Why does he go? Why is he going to like MV? No, no, no. I'm talking specifically him. Why? Well, then why does he keep having a spout with his coach? I'm just talking about his throwing ability, his talent. talent, Again, why does he throw? Why does he go from MVP candidate one year and then just completely falls off the cliff the last eight games? The Cardinals suck. They didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. He's a part of it. He's the best player on the team, no? Or one of the best players? The best player was suspended for the first month and a half. Is he not not supposed to be the if so facto leader? I'm not denying that. I'm just saying he's a great passer. Not elite. Elite not is an elite passer of the football. I, I can name you seven elite passers of the football, and I'll be honest with you. If you would have asked me before this conversation, name seven elite passers of the football, Kyler Murray's not even coming to my mind. I think Dak Prescott's a better passer of the football than Kyler, but I wouldn't I'd say put, Jared Goff, too. I wouldn't say Dak is an elite passer. I think he's very good. That's where I'm saying you throw these words around, John, and you got to just be careful with how you say these words. Again, it's fine to you know ride the bandwagon for a little bit, right? Because everything's going good for these guys. But just pump the brakes and realize it's one freaking year. Do you realize how easily this can flip on its head next year? And then you're going to completely change your tune. That's why I say just caution. Be weary. Relax a little bit, okay? Give them their flowers, but say, I'd like a little more consistency. I want to see this more now. We haven't even gotten to the playoffs yet. We don't even know what's going to happen. Are you going to get – if we get to the playoffs and Jalen Hurts comes back, 
Because first off, we got to we got to just mention this: if Jalen rests the rest of the regular season, and let's say they do get the number one seed, you realize he wouldn't be playing football for how many weeks is that? Six, six weeks maybe. I don't Four know weeks. if my math is right. Four. Well, he missed last, last three week. last three regular season games in the bye. Four, week. five. No, that's five because he missed last week. Okay. Then this week, two, three. I think it's four five. to five weeks. Four to five weeks. Okay, that's a lot of time off. Is basically what I'm getting at. That that's a lot of time off. Uh, we don't know how that injury. Are you gonna say if he loses? Let's say they go one and done, and he doesn't have a good game. You're gonna bring up the injury, aren't you? You're gonna bring up the. Injury. I don't know how the playoffs are gonna play out, like you said. No, I'm asking simply him. I, you're if he doesn't, I'm giving you a scenario, John. I'm literally giving you it. I'm saying if they go in, they lose one and done, and he doesn't have a good game, you're gonna blame the injury, aren't you? If he doesn't look healthy, then yeah, I'll probably talk about him not being. <laughs> how are you gonna? And you know what, Brandon? You are right. It is really hard to mass produce elite seasons in the NFL, and I agree with that totally. Rust, uh, not Russell Wilson. He kind of is. Matthew Stafford's a great example of that. Speaking of guys that can't mass produce necessarily, Tua Tungavailoa, a lot of people are saying, I've seen this all over social media, it's the running joke, he took the giving season a little bit too seriously. Three interceptions, two of which, an absolute... Words can't describe how bad the last two were, and the Dolphins have now dropped three straight games. Four straight. Four straight. Four. Four. They were eight and three. Four straight. And now they're eight and seven. Yeah. What game I forget? We got the 49ers lost, the Chargers. Chargers, Bills. Bills lost, yep, last week. And week. now. So oh, I man, just gotta say, Jackers. Let me this take was this. a colossal loss. This is this is this is oh man, I'm so happy, dude. Uh I love seeing my fellow AFC East compadres be sad. I love it. Um now I just can't wait for the Buffalo Bills to lose in the playoffs and It'll be complete for me. Uh, but the Dolphins, I mean, God, I predicted the three-game losing streak. You guys were here when I said it to you. Yeah, you it did. was going to happen. Yeah, you did. You now, did. what I didn't expect was them to go out there and lose to the freaking Green Bay Packers in Miami. I didn't expect that. But you know what? Packers were a different team when you made this prediction, too. They, they were a much different team. Um, we did get a little snow in Miami, which is, you know, a little interesting. Uh, but – Listen, I'm hearing some rumors that apparently Tua is in uh, concussion protocol again. Yeah, correct. Uh, and some people are pointing to a second quarter uh, hit, I guess you would say, where he landed helmet to the ground, kind of like a ricochet, whiplash, if you will. Uh, and then some people are saying, well, that would explain why he played so bad in the second half. Now, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the game in its entirety. I don't know if you guys saw anything that would have alarmed you in any way where maybe he was stumbling or, you know, what I just think he played a terrible second half. I don't know if he had a concussion. If he did, I ser- I'm being dead serious when I say this. I think it's starting to have a conversation. He needs to start having a conversation with maybe his family about retiring because this is too much. This is three concussions in one year. All right, and not to mention the injuries that he's piled up before this season. But this is two. I don't know it was three. We're not quite was... sure, but he had that hit versus the Bills where he started stumbling. Okay, okay. He played the next yeah. week versus 
the, yeah, the, the concussion that wasn't a concussion. concussion. Yeah. Uh, so at least he's been in concussion protocol at least, I think, three times this year. Uh, that's just not good. Uh, I don't know what the number is. I'm pretty sure there is a number where if you reach this amount of concussions, you, the uh, the doctors will basically say, yeah, you're not allowed to play football anymore. Uh, I think it might be seven, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong there. Um, There's no set number necessarily, but from the people that I've known, not at the professional level, out high school, it's around, once you get five concussions, it's like, it's time to, yeah. how important is the sport to you? Yeah, exactly. long-term health. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and we all knew, and this is why I was saying about Devonte Smith, Justin, slight frame guy, Tua, not very tall. I mean, for being a small guy too, not very athletic. Can't really run with the football well. I mean, he looks clumsy. Looks like me running with the football, and I, I, I'm not that fast. Um, so we, we know the positives. He's accurate. He's got good. He's good at anticipating, but. Arm strength is weak, unathletic. Uh, after his first read is gone, he starts to panic. It is it is what it is. I, I try to tell you, I believe that he's like, you know, somewhere in the 20 range of, of quarterbacks in this league. He's not terrible. Uh, he's all right, but he's not the guy everybody was hyping him up to be. He wasn't. He, he is not him, as everybody was saying, okay? No. He's just a guy. That's it. And the Dolphins seriously probably need to consider moving on because it, it's it's not going to work out with Tua. And I, I saw a tweet from, I think, Barstool saying, don't let Tua see this, where it was a tweet, a hashtag was trending of Tua uh, turn, turn the ball over, I think it was. Oh, you know, you know, the thing is, I think, obviously, and I'm one of the people that sipped the Kool-Aid on the Miami Dolphin train a little bit. I really thought, man, with this offense, how how could Tua fail, you know? How could he regress? But I think the game that really spoke to me the most about Tua was uh, the game against the Chargers, mm-hmm. where he looked absolutely lost, and he was just going based off of reads, whatever his coach was saying, hey, this guy might be open, and he's just forcing the ball into areas that, had no place of being there, you know. Um, I didn't get to see the game in its entirety. Uh, I was I was wrapped up in the Giants Minnesota game. That was a great football game, but I, I think the problem here with Miami is obviously it is the quarterback. And if Tua isn't with the weapons on the outside, this is a team that's we can argue it can contend with just about anybody, at least offensively. Um, but if your quarterback isn't playing up to par then how good actually are you? How how much better now is this team compared to the Jets, who are probably a quarterback away as well, you know? So I, I'm watching this Miami team, seeing how talented Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are. Those guys are speed demons, and you can abuse defenses. And that's, that's the showing we get, three picks. You got to play a lot smarter than that. You, if you're an NFL player, quarterback if you're an NFL team you know if you lose the turnover battle there's a good chance you're probably losing Uh, if you can't take care of the ball which is one thing that we all thought Tua was good at taking care of the football uh, he's looked abysmal over the last couple of weeks four straight losses you had a chance to secure even you know you were in conversations with potentially grabbing a number one seed if I'm not mistaken RG3 said you're the best team in the AFC Mm -hmm. and wow you, you 
Yeah, play it, man. Play it. <laughs> this is it, 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 it couldn't have gotten any worse for this Miami team. And now they're going up against New England, what, to end the season? No, so this is where I was going to uh, jump in again. So I obviously had them uh, losing the three straight. I had them beating the Packers, but that's obviously didn't happen. So they've lost four straight. I had them losing to New England, which is this week in New England. I still believe that. And then they go uh, back to Miami and they uh, the Jets come to town for them. I think they think Mike White and the Jets. Mike yeah, White I just got named starter. I think they can beat the Jets to end the season, but I do think they're still going to lose to New England. Uh, weather's going to be cold, brisky, and that New England defense is is you know we got some playmakers, we got some special kids out there. Shout out Marcus Jones, that kid is going that to be special. Um, now what position, by the way? It does not matter. Football, yeah, football player. Football player. That's his position. He's a football player. That's all He's he does. Yep. Monster one. Um, so yeah, in terms of the Dolphins, I, the best I think that they're gonna finish is nine and eight. I'll be honest with you, Ooh. if they lose to New England, I I don't think they're beating the Jets. Nope. I agree with you, Justin. And, nine, and it looks like maybe I mean, depending on that last game, New England could possibly sneak into the playoffs, which not the best case, but if if Miami loses out and misses the playoffs, two is done. Well, he should be. Yeah, there's no no way, no way you go back from that. Eight and three, you you lose out the whole way. You, you had a chance to bring Miami some hope right there, and you lose. No, he's done. You want to know what's kind of funny to me? How last year the Dolphins started off one and seven. And climbed their way back 9-8. Now, keep in mind, the reason they had those losses at the end of the season, or that one loss specifically, was because Tua choked. <laughs> this offseason, they paired up Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. As Justin said, the 84-yard touchdown Waddle had in the first quarter, where he's able to juke a defender and somehow continues to accelerate to like a fifth or sixth gear, that was something you just don't see. <laughs> Mike McDaniel has done everything he possibly can to maximize Tua, and Tua is a good fit for the scheme he wants to implement. But this is where the money counts. Tua can have his monster games versus the Lions, the Bears, the Browns, terrible defenses. But at the end of the day, let me charge my computer real quick. In the meantime, charges up 13-3 against the Colts. This when Colts you have has no life. When you have to play real opponents... High-level playoff teams and high-level playoff quarterbacks, or not just playoff quarterbacks, but quarterbacks that are elite, and you don't show up to the table, it's time we have those conversations. Did everybody overrate Tua? Because you're judging him off of games where he balled out with these speed demons against terrible defenses. Baltimore, he was hitting open receivers, but when Tua has to throw a guy open, when he has to break a, an open edge rusher and then escape, extend the play, that level of just improvisation it's not there the way you see with the josh allen the patrick mahomes even the tom brady he doesn't have the pocket presence of a joe burrow he doesn't have the talent of a herbert his margin of error is much more slim than any of those guys jalen hurts included i was wrong about tua and i'll admit that plainly i jumped on the gun like everybody else sipping my kool-aid like a fool because at the end of the day to all the dolphin fans out there that are supporting him so much so they're on this guy justin herbert who's about to make the plus and take Tua's playoff spot in spite of having nowhere near as much support, it's a clear sign that for Miami, it's a 17-game season, not 10. 
And I think a lot of people ran their victory laps way too soon. And now we're seeing, oh man, it's heartbreaking. It, it really is because you want to see Tua succeed. But unfortunately, he's not getting it done. And that's what it comes down to. Four turnovers to one. The Dolphins almost won this game versus the Packers. In spite of missing the field goal. In spite of giving up a near kickoff return touchdown in the first quarter early on. They were able to overcome all those things. Until Tua had, what was it, three interceptions in the second half? Or was it two? That was the difference. This Dolphin team is great. Talk about teams that are ready to win now. They are ready to win now. I think it's quite clear it's not the offensive line as much. It's not the defense, though their secondary can be better. That defense has so many all-stars, so many Pro Bowl. I mean, Jalen Phillips is a stud. Bradley Chubb is a stud. Christian Wilkins is a stud. Javon Holland is awesome and continuing to get better. It's a shame that Tua is the one failing on this team, and I want to see him do well. That's kind of why I had my uh, agenda, so to speak, that he could win a high level. But for Miami, if I can get Lamar Jackson this offseason, the Ravens are foolish enough to let him go, and they'll go the route of a rookie quarterback, I'll do whatever I can to get Lamar here. I think two AFC East teams are going to be fighting for uh, Mr. Number 12 out in Wisconsin. But I want to mention something since we're talking about that Miami game. They lost to Green Bay, which makes the Packers playoff hopes a little bit more optimistic. And it's very straightforward. I got the path to the playoffs for you right now. Packers need to win out. They beat Miami. They have to beat Minnesota and they have to beat Detroit. All very possible. Or Washington loses one of two games against Cleveland versus Dallas. Or the Giants lose out to India and Philadelphia. So the Packers' playoff hopes are definitely alive. And the way that they're playing now, if this was the team that we saw earlier in the season, there's no way they're in the position they're in. This is a team that could shock you, I guess. So I guess you can never uh, count out Aaron Rodgers. Not one bit. Oh, no, no. After being 4-8, and eight, now look at them. They're 7-8. and eight. Uh, And last two games are in Green Bay, too. So that's mm -hmm. major for them. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to count them out. I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers uh, in the playoffs over some other teams uh, just because it's Aaron freaking Rodgers and he gives you a much better show. Now, I, I do think that injury is still hampering him on his, uh, I think it's his thumb, because uh, he was missing some throws and he was not very happy about that if you saw him screaming the F-bomb on Christmas Day while the kids were watching Aaron. Um but yeah, uh, that injury still bothers him. But listen, it comes and goes because he can he'll miss those throws, but then he'll make that great throw to Alan Lazard, it or the one to Mercedes Lewis for the touchdown. Thirty eight years old, still hugging and trugging. He's still listen, man. That guy still got the arm talent. So, oh, it's not Mercedes Lewis. Oh, Mercedes. Well, they're both thirty eight though, aren't they? I think Rogers is the same age. Yeah, so yeah, that's why I was like, oh, you're talking about Rogers. Um. But yeah, Mercedes Lewis, yeah, he's still doing the damn thing. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I'll be excited to see Aaron Rodgers uh, sneak into the playoffs, especially over, you know, no offense to JQ, but the Giants and the Commanders. I, I just, much more exciting of a matchup to see Rodgers in there with uh, that team. Speaking of elite quarterbacks, and I'm with you 100%, this Green Bay offense has found its rhythm with receivers. Romeo Dabbs is healthy, Christian Wilkins' resurgence, or resurgence, and then, of course, just the chemistry you already had with Alan Lazard, who's played better. You look at the 
NFL division standings and the current playoff outlook. Man, the AFC is going to be an absolute dogfight this season. Last year, we got it in the divisional round of Cincinnati versus Tennessee, and of course, Kansas City versus Buffalo. This year, we got Josh Allen as the number one seed, Pat Mahomes at number two, Joe Burrow at three, and Trevor Lawrence in the AFC South divisional spot. Number five, Lamar Jackson. Number six, Justin Herbert, as he's about to beat the Colts, it seems like, to move to nine six. Another seven, number seven, Tua Tungavailoa. Now, is that going to be Tua in two weeks? I don't think so. I think it's going to be Mike White. I think it's going to be him. I really think the Jets are going to get that last spot. My Steelers moved to 7-8, and eight, but I um, I don't know if we beat Baltimore if Lamar plays this upcoming week. I just don't see it. So, Mike White, with all those elite quarterbacks and company, I, I think this year's playoffs is going to be almost as good as last year's, which was probably the best divisional round of NFL history in terms do, of enjoyment. I do want to say, John, though, uh, I don't think that because I know we've talked about it before. Aaron Rodgers is he going to leave after this year? I, I don't think I think he's going to stay in Green Bay. Actually, I hope he does after after uh, this stretch. I hope he leaves. No, I I, I do think he's going to stay. I just think he's he's starting to get the connection with these receivers, uh, starting to build the foundation with them, and I just think that going into next year, I think Watson, Dobbs, and all those guys are going to be better. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that he's going to stay in Green Bay. If that's the case, Jordan Love has to immediately request, request a, trade. a trade. Yeah, immediately. And, and I, honestly, I think that's the best route. I've said it before on the show. I think they'd be stupid to let Aaron Rodgers walk. The way that he's still playing, he's still playing great football. He's a little hampered by an injury, but I still think Aaron Rodgers could win another MVP. Um, now, do I believe that the weapons he has on the outside – are good enough for him to come back next year and contend for a Super Bowl? No. I still think that they can improve this team. I think you can still get him another big weapon uh, because ultimately that's always been the problem. Get him that other guy. You know, they were fighting to get Odell last season and they missed out. They've always been at the one-yard line and, and are never able to get, get across. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers play in one more Super Bowl. I, I would love to see that, at least one more. So if I'm the Packers, I'm going all in. I'm not letting that guy go until we win one more. No. I actually have the exact opposite opinion. I feel like when you give a quarterback years behind a Hall of Famer and he sees the way that player conducts himself and the way he prepares, he is way more likely to succeed. And when that prospect has every tool under the sun, a work ethic, and high character, I believe he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a stud for the next decade. So to have the opportunity to have Jordan Love for the next five years, I think is more valuable than the greatest Packer of all time for two or three. And I know that's a hard conversation to have. It's about what you value. As Brandon does, I value longevity. And I'll say it, I'm a home run hitter. I'm a risk taker. I'm a gambler. I'm gonna, no, I'm not a gambler necessarily. I'm too young. I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is when I invested all the draft capital into this kid. I traded up to get him, and he's going to have a fifth-year option. I have to make a decision on that. If I'm the Green Bay Packers and their general manager, and Brian Gutekust, though there is no pressure by ownership because they don't have an owner, I would be looking to trade Aaron Rodgers to a team like the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, someone that feels like they're a quarterback away that will give us assets so that we can continue to build this offense. We then move on from a defensive coordinator respectfully. And we look to put Jordan Love in a position to thrive.
That's where I come from. Now, I want to touch, touch on something that we didn't really get to talk about. And this is more for you two to speak because I want to hear it. Um, <clears throat> my boy. Baker. My boy. Baker. Oh, Baker. Now, first, I do want to say this statement. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa, and it's no question in my mind about it. Um, so, Baker goes into yesterday's game, Christmas afternoon, Christmas evening, if you will. And what does he do? God, he puts on a masterpiece, doesn't he? 24-28. 230 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks, zero sacks, way to go O-line, and an 88.2 QBR. Whew. He did this against a top five defense with his best weapon being none other than Mr. Tyler Higby. No, I did not misspeak. I said Tyler Higby was his best offensive weapon against the top five defense. The floor is your got yours, guys. Just well, it's uh, time. had a little bit of support by the. It's time. He had a little bit of support by Russell Wilson giving it away. No, nah, I don't want to hear. I want to talk about his de- his performance though. Again, because last time I checked, Russell Wilson doesn't play defense. He plays offense. This is a team sport, and when he continues, I understand that. But there were drives where Russell didn't turn the ball over, and they had a full. They had to go a full field on that Broncos defense, and he did. So I want to hear it. Please, surgical. Let's just, let's just surgical. Let's just be Was honest, man. Baker let's, Mayfield on Sunday. Let's just twenty-four of twenty-eight. completion percentage and two TDs with 230 passing yards. An even better performance, in my opinion, than his one against the Raiders two weeks ago. Because he trounced what is an elite secondary, well, not on Sunday, dropping 50 points. Now, he had some support. Cam Akers had himself a filthy day. Oh, my goodness, boy. The Broncos, he had the cooties. They could not tackle him whatsoever. Sorry, Justin, I want to spit out. This Rams offense is being galvanized by Baker Mayfield, and it reminds me of Gardner Minshew. Now, the difference that Baker is the more overall pick. The reason why I compared them, Brandon, is because they're two very likable characters that kind of get disrespected because they don't have the best physical tools. Baker has the pedigree and the track record to show he can play at a high level. Right now in Los Angeles, we're saying, and we're seeing, if Sean McVay stays next season, and Matthew Stafford, A, is not right, B, he just isn't staying healthy when he does try to play. Or C, he retires. Baker Mayfield, I think, is going to stay in a place where he has a consistent head coach. Through Baker Mayfield's career, do you guys know how many head coaches he has had? I think he's up to six now. Let's do it. Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Greg Williams. Greg Williams. Freddie Kitchens. Freddie. Kevin Stefanski. Matt Rule. Steve Wilkes. Sean and that's not even counting offensive coordinators because that's probably about five or six, too. And we can all understand that Sean McVay, elite offensive mind, elite head coach, yeah. and so long as he stays, if I'm Baker, even if Stafford's in that quarterback room, I'm going to try to grab and 
grasp as much as they can from those two guys, learn and grow as a quarterback. Because LA, when you're rich, it's a fun place to be. When you're a quarterback and you have the head coach, it's an even better destination. If Sean McVay retires, where should Baker go? Should he stay in Los Angeles? <laughs> Independent of what Matthew Stafford decides to do. Let's just say we don't know and Stafford's decision is not made by the time Franzi rolls around. Well, he did he did make an announcement that he is staying. He's not retiring. Um, I will say this. Regardless of McVeigh staying or retiring, uh, well, I, do, I think McVeigh is going to stay. I don't think he's going to retire yet. Uh, I don't think Baker's going to stay in L.A. Uh, I think he, he wants his shot. I think he wants another shot, and I think he's going to get another shot specifically off of the Raiders game and this game right here. Uh, I think he's definitely shown that he can play in this league and he deserves to be in this league as a starting caliber quarterback. Uh, and and he, he's, he's a phenomenal teammate. Uh, I, I don't know where the criticism came with him not being a good teammate. Uh, he's, he's phenomenal. I mean, every time after a run play or whatever type of play, he's always running to go help his teammate up or to push the line forward more just to do something to be active. He he's the, the, the guy's a freaking gamer, dude. Um, and, and even watching the, the post show at where the, the fighting started to commence, he literally pushed the reporter, uh, not pushed, but got the reporter out of the way. Cause she was about to get knocked over. Um, he he's you can't help but not root for this guy. I, I that's why I don't understand where John's hatred for him came in. I know it was probably because I loved him so he's much. He's a Steelers fan too. Yeah, he he doesn't want to admit that Baker led him to a uh you know first ever playoff win in 30 plus years and even longer on the road. It's all right, John. You know, I don't need to be reminded. Baker okay. and Tom Brady, similar guys, both own the Steelers. Um, Baker did not snap the ball ten feet over Ben's head. I yeah, don't want to hear. He did put up a ninety-four. over the QB, ball four he did times. Put up a ninety-four QBR though. Is that's what he did. And yeah, if he that's was what I back, call merchant. Out, a merchant. Time out, John. Living off the success was, of his teammates who put him in that John, position. John, if he was as bad as you said he was, what you called him a bust, he would have blew that game. Didn't blow it. Put up a nice you, know, you know, so uh, going back on the statement, I, I know you wanted us to talk about Baker Mayfield and his performance. It, it was incredible. Uh, he I, He's joined Elite Company now for the MVP award with Mitchell Trubisky for Nickelodeon's most valuable player. So that's 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 a nice trophy to have on your shelf. But and on a serious note, um, yeah, I think he's definitely earned himself another spot. You know, a shot as a starting QB continues to perform. I think this whole thing with the Rams anyway was just uh it was a tryout. It was a tryout to see if he still has it. And I would have loved to see him stay with the Rams if if Matt Stafford were was to retire or if his arm isn't good enough to see him play with a guy like Sean McVay with a full season, a healthy Cooper Cup and uh a, a, a health just a healthy Rams team. With I would love to see what his potential may be. But I feel like you alluded to this, Brandon. You said uh, he's a better quarterback than Tua Tungabailoa. So why not throw him in a place like Miami? If you can't draft a QB, you sign a guy like Baker, who who has a great relationship with his guys, who can build a great bond in a locker room. How you doing? Yeah, that'd be an awesome fit. Doing? In the beginning of the season, when we were talking about destinations for, I wouldn't like Baker that. Though. Don't don't do that to me, Justin. I can't I can't do that because then he's be going up against us twice a year. I, can't, I know that that would be rough. I don't do it. 
But oh, I've, I've thrown out places like I, I feel really? like he's always had a New York personality. Don't, um, don't I feel like him. he could fit with the Giants. He could fit with the Jets. So I mean, he was he could have been a Jet at one point. Don't go to so, New York. Don't go to New York. It's a dangerous spot. But you're telling me if there's any personality that fits it, I feel like it's Baker. They thought the same thing about Zach Wilson. He crumbled. Baker won't crumble, but it's just a, not a good spot. Not, he's not the personality. I, I, I've i seen videos of Zach Wilson pre-draft. I forgot he was on a line with a bunch of people, and they were throwing up signs and all that, and he looked like he was scared to even get in there. So <laughs> uh, he was in New York. But Baker has always been New York to me. Always. Baker's big time. I'll be honest um, with y'all. I think Baker can almost fit in anywhere. Maybe like a chameleon. But there's no doubt in my mind, if you want a consistent Baker Mayfield, something we have not gotten, you need to put him in a consistent environment. Could he work in New York? I think the highs would be amazing. Be the best Jets quarterback since Chad Pennington. But the lows would put him in a tough position where we'd say, same old Baker, can't do it consistently. Which for you, Bryn, is your biggest criteria marker, I feel like. Can you stay healthy? Can you produce like a consistent level? Baker has these moments that make you say, oh, he's above average, but he has those lows which are crippling. I feel like for him, he has to stay in LA because when you give yourself that consistent environment with the healthy Cooper Cup, and ideally a better number two next year because they're going to have uh, their draft picks coming in now, that changes the entire game. Basically... Where he, where he, sorry for cutting it off, John, but basically where he needs to go is where a place where a coach like McVay actually believes in him and actually wants him to be there. Because whatever the case, whatever you think about Kevin Stavansky as a coach, whether you think he's good or bad, I don't really care. He, him and Baker never really got along. They never connected. Um, so with McVitt and Matt Rule was just a freaking disaster like Freddie Kitchens was. Um so with McVeigh and him, the one the one thing that I, I forget who is uh announcing the um the game, the Rams uh Broncos game. I forget who the hell it was. I don't think it was Tony Tony Romo and Jim Nance. No, actually no. Yes it was Tony Romo and Jim Nance. It was. So Romo said one thing that I think Baker or uh, I think Baker said to him um, or in a press conference or whatever was one of the things that McVeigh taught me so much and so well that has helped me tremendously with my game is how to use my eyes. Uh, and if you look back and watch that game, you'll see him use his eyes hell of a lot, uh, looking off uh, uh, DBs and defensive players, uh, going through his progressions. So, He's even learning and continuing to improve as a quarterback, which is something you always want from anybody in any walk of life. You just always want to keep improving and keep learning and be like a sponge. And it just seems like Baker's finally reached that point where he is all ears and he's going to take it in. Cause he, like I said, he was humbled after the Carolina debacle. And now I think he's ready to just put his head down and, and you know, go for it now. So Tennessee, let's, let's Tennessee would be a great great uh, option. Let's have a little fun. I want to I want to list a couple names. Okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to name some teams that you guys would like to see Baker on. Yeah, mm-hmm. just yay or nay. Okay, I'll start with a fun one. Washington. No. Yeah. 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 All right. So I, I'm going to change the criteria. This is the team that we think Baker Mayfield can lead. So okay, give us an emphatic no. introduction. Teams okay. that Baker Mayfield can lead. Give us a for TikTok. 
teams that Baker Mayfield can lead a franchise with. All right. So are we going to roll with Washington? Are you going to stick with no? No, I'm saying no. Saying no. Brandon? I think he can can lead. Lead to what? Sorry. Lead to what exactly? The playoffs? Playoff wins? I'm saying that this guy can be a face of the franchise with. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Whatever team I'm naming, this is Baker Mayfield's new home. Thompson. I think that he can. I think he's better than Carson Wentz. I think he's better than Heineke. You got Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Dotson. You have the weapons, but I don't like the coaching for Baker. And for that reason, I'm not sure how consistent it'll be in that set, that setting. I'm I'm higher on Riverboat Ron than you, than you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. The Giants. No. Already declined Daniel Jones' fifth year option. No. They're gonna bring back DJ, but for the sake of this argument, yes. With Brian Dable, who we'll be working with every single day, not a doubt in my mind, he surely could. But they're gonna need an extra receiver going off Wandale next year. Okay. The team playing on TV right now, the Indianapolis Colts. No. Terrible no. offensive line, limited rece- receivers, head coach. No idea who the head coach is going to be next year. No, thank you. Yeah. No. Okay. So to make it faster, I'm going to name just one more team. Uh, this I feel like this team's uh, overperformed. I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks. No. Could have had them last year. Could have had them before the season. F off. Okay, Baker. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. Could have had me. Could have had me for a trade. You decided not to. You wanted to go with Geno Smith. You disrespected me. I'm not going there. Were they disrespecting Baker, or after seeing Geno in their building for three seasons, P. Carroll said, "I want to keep this guy who got to learn from the likes of Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Russell Wilson, got to sponge all of that knowledge in, and after all of the years of learning and growing." And then last year, playing really good in the three games, Russell Wilson missed. They said, you know what? We're going to ride Gino. I think it's the latter. They like Gino so much, they didn't want to bring in Baker to be a backup quarterback because they liked what they already had. Well, he would have beaten Gino out for the job, but. Not true. Gino's a better quarterback than Baker. I could see Seattle being a good fit because, you know what? As great as Gino's been this year, I I don't think any of us are going to say this is a franchise guy. This is who the Seahawks should be leaning on going forward. So if you can go with a younger option, uh, I mean, a former number one overall pick who can play with those weapons that you have, Kenneth Walker is, is fantastic, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the the draft pick that, I mean, at the moment, it seems like they're going to have the number three overall pick. So this is a team that's only getting better. So while, yes, they can draft a quarterback or you can draft another skill position, another O-lineman, uh, somebody in, on the defensive side, and then you bring in a guy like Baker, who, who I mentioned earlier, is loved by his teammates. He's a great uh, – he just brings a great attitude, I feel. I, I, oh, yeah. Like Brandon said, you can't root against a guy. Brandon oh, yeah, the team. reason will root against him. That's good. I'll tell, you, uh, I'll tell you a team. I know you don't want to hear it. You're wearing their shirt, San Francisco 49ers. Definitely should call him. Trey Lance, you have no idea what he's going to be. Okay, you don't. And what we saw of him, he got injured. Very quickly. Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to keep testing that fire. I think Jimmy's going to end after the year is over. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Undefeated as a starter. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And Baker's a better quarterback than him, so he can lead you farther. I don't know if San Francisco want to have three different quarterbacks for all deserving. Yes, Baker would fit in San Francisco, but truth be told – I would rather roll the dice with Lance, who I kind of trade up to get with the third overall pick, 
and also while seeing how well their backup has performed. Well, they're gonna have to start then they're gonna have to start having a conversation about whether it's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. I also think we need to recognize Baker is not a fit for the Niners offense. That's targeting the middle of the field a lot, and that's not his strength. I don't know if he'd be best utilized there. And for Kyle Shanahan, he's run that offense before in Cleveland, but there's an even larger oh, emphasis. God. The offense is put the ball in the playmaker's hands. But Baker has seen the middle of the field particularly Debo well. Samuel. Yeah, but it's that's bootlegs. I, I think uh, the 49ers are, are in a great spot. I mean, look at where they're at right now, record wise. Uh, my are NFC they, favorite. Are they yeah, next year? They, no, next year I'm talking yeah, about I, next year. I still year. think are they are. Sure, because they're going to yes. have to start having a conversation. I'm being serious. Hmm. If Brock Purdy which you guys believe can lead them to the Super Bowl, and let's say they win, there is going to be a dead-ass conversation that needs mm-hmm. to be had, whether you're going with Brock Purdy for the you know remainder of his career or Trey Lance. And if you choose Brock Purdy, you are admitting defeat about picking Trey Lance, and that was a catastrophic failure. But, but you know, okay. you know what? Back it can't that. be that catastrophic if it comes out with a Super Bowl trophy on top. It, so no, really no, because he wasn't the reason. No, that's you're right. But you know different. what? At that point, you're like, you know, ah, we we fluffed on that pick. That sucks. We we no, gave that, it too that's much. That's not how it's going to look. We that, got a Super Bowl in return, say. so it's okay. And the reason mm-hmm. why I say so, this is saying in baseball that I feel like applies here to the 49ers, and it's that you can never have too much pitching, and I don't think you can ever have too much in that QB room. Obviously, it can cause a little bit of controversy, but if you have no one, two, Justin. I mean, look at the Patriots, Justin. the year that Tom Brady got suspended. You had Jimmy G there. Jimmy G went down. Then you have Jacoby and then what happened? And then Brady comes back. No, but then what happened? What what happened after that? That was literally caused where we are right now because there's an old saying. I forget who said it. It might have been Bill Parcells. He's got a lot of quotes. If you got two quarterbacks, you don't got one. You don't got any quarterbacks. You can't have more than okay. one. Name me the position where this has worked out in the past, where if you have more than one qu- starting quarterback, it's worked out. It doesn't work out. Okay. Eventually, okay, it flames out. Look at, a, look at a team like the Cleveland Browns right now. Uh, albeit not in a not looking fantastic yeah, this but year. Jacoby's not a starting caliber quarterback. He's a good Jacoby backup. No, nah, he was awesome this year. He, he played very well. On his name. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. You awesome. never know what these quarterbacks can actually turn into. Jimmy G, you weren't high on Jimmy G. Nobody knows what Trey Lance is, and we're figuring out what the hell Brock Purdy is right now. But one thing that we can tell you about Jimmy G is he's a winner. One thing that we can tell you about Trey Lance is he's supremely talented, which is why he was drafted so high. And Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. We didn't know a damn thing about him until this year. And all that we know, we're starting to learn. He's a pretty all right quarterback. I mean, they're undefeated with him as a starter right now. And I think everybody in the league outside of you is uh, very confident in the playoffs with Brock Purdy under center right now. So I think this is a good problem to have because if the 49ers go on to win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, that shows one, they probably have their quarterback. And also, real quick, I know we're wrapping this thing up. Trey Lance is a mystery box. Trey Lance is a project. Trey Lance has started in just three games in his career, the fourth he got hurt. Trey Lance should sit behind somebody for another year and then work his way in. Because of that, when you see Brock Purdy winning these games, there's not as much pressure on Lance to come in immediately because you're seeing if they come in with his backup, 
And so for Kyle Shanahan, he knows, look, I can roll with either guy. And because Lance hasn't proven anything, we can work him in slowly but surely as he continues to progress and get more live game reps in the process. Maybe Brock Purdy misses a game. Maybe they ride with the hot hands. Who knows? I don't think it's Tom Brady who was, what, at that point, a 15-year NFL veteran compared to two guys who have less than a year's worth of starting starting games. So I'm not really too bent out of shape over it, man. They'll be fine. They'll win a Super Bowl. And you know what? Cal Shanahan will get that respect as the quarterback guru. The, the offensive genius. And so for these guys, they'll be fine. Yes, sir. With all that being said, we're going to save the Zach Wilson talk for our next episode. No reason to continue laboring on here. With all, with all that in mind, how are the Chargers doing right now? What's the score of that game? 20 to 3. Yeah, yeah. I have a question for you guys. Who is more likely to win a playoff game this season? The Chargers or the Jacksonville Jaguars? Justin Herbert and the Chargers. I, I feel like a lot of us, you, you no. guys had them going to an AFC title game at some point. Uh, this team is good. I don't care what nobody says. Justin Herbert is, for, is not good. Justin Herbert is great. This guy is elite. And and I've said it before. I said they're going to win out, and they they seem to be well on their way to doing that. But with the win today, they're booking themselves a playoff spot. And well, any team that goes up to face them should be scared. Here's the thing, Justin. Uh, if your Baltimore Ravens, let's say, lose another game mm-hmm. and the Chargers win out like you said, I think the Chargers will be moving into the fifth spot. Do you know who they would be playing in round one? In Jacksonville, the Jaguars. Should be a show. I would favor the Jaguars in that matchup. So I would also I, favor the Jaguars. I would say, to answer your question, John, I think the Jaguars have a better shot at winning a playoff game than the Los Angeles Chargers. Especially if the Chargers stay at the sixth spot, they're going to have to face the Cincinnati Bengals, and they ain't beating the Bengals. Jacksonville, oh, sorry. I'm already ruining this. The Los Angeles Chargers, the kings of biggest offseason winners. With all that being said, I want to thank each and every single one of you for watching and staying to the very end. I'm John Tortorella. This is Brendan Capazello and Justin Ray. Be sure to drop a like and let us know in the comments down below where you stand on these debates and what topics you want to see next. And as always, we will see you next time. Peace. Stay classy. Walla, walla, woo. <laughs>